T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Welcome back to The Daily Brief. I'm your host, Eric Dame, and... ConnectingVets.com, that's your website. You should be checking that out every day because it has content aimed solely at you, the veteran and military dependent and active duty military audience. We are trying to get everything that we think you might be interested in, things that we think you should know, and of course, those things that you absolutely need to know. We talk to the VSOs on a weekly basis, at least, if not a daily basis, and we're also following the news taking place on Capitol Hill as well as around the country, and we're putting it all right there for you at Entercom's ConnectingVets.com. Connecting Vets every day. And be sure to follow us on social media to stay connected. We are at Connecting Vets on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. I just mentioned the fact that we speak to the veteran service organizations, a different one each day here on The Daily Brief. Today is Monday, and that means it's time to talk to IAVA, Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America, specifically today, joined by their research director, Stephanie Mullen. Stephanie, good morning. Thank you so much for joining us today. Hey, good morning. Thank you for having me. So IAVA, of course, stays focused on the issues affecting the veteran community at large, but specifically those who served in Iraq and Afghanistan one of the main issues that you and every other organization that I know of has been focused on and trying to find a way to fight is the scourge that is veteran suicide. So we've heard the numbers. We've heard 22 a day. We've heard 20 a day. Uh, both of those are much higher than anyone would like it to be. Anything above zero is higher than anyone would like it to be. But where do we stand in 2018 in regards to what we know about the veteran suicide issue? Yeah, great question. Um, Overall, I would say we're doing, we have a lot of progress going on. There's a lot of good stuff happening in the space, uh, especially in the realm of mental health and suicide prevention, specifically in regard to the Clay Hunt Save Act, which was passed back in 2015. We've been seeing uh, some funding go into the pilot programs. We've been seeing uh, some program evaluations going on, and they're coming back looking really good. Uh, I'd like to just point to a number that in 2016, 1.6 million veterans received specialized mental health treatment from the VA. 1.6 million. That's significant. When we think about the fact that there are, give or take, 20 to 22 million veterans in the United States, uh, we're talking about a significant percentage of them receiving that. So, uh, of course, you could look at it negatively and say, why do we have so many veterans who need that assistance? But look at it in the positive way and say, hey, they're getting some of the help that they need. Do we have any idea how much... Uh, how many of the people that need help are actually getting it? What percentage are receiving that sort of treatment? It's difficult to say. Um, I will say that from our member survey, we see that uh, about 53% of our membership had someone close to them recommend they get care for a mental health injury and 80% sought help as a result. So what I can say to that is having a personal connection really does make a difference. The other side of that is that we're seeing an increase in our membership of those that know a post 9-11 veteran that has attempted suicide or that has died by suicide. And that's up about 20 percent mm. in the past three years. And is that why this is one of the big six legislative priorities for IAVA? I mean, it seems obvious, but I guess the question does need to be asked. Why is the organization so focused on this issue? Why is it one of your six main points of contention? 
Absolutely. It's definitely one of our legacy issues, something that we've been vocal on for years now. Uh, but as you said, our membership uh, does speak to this issue, and it is a very passionate point for them um, when we ask what are the top issues affecting the post-9-11 generation. Suicide and mental health always tops the list, uh, and it does affect that huge portion of our membership that they're either they have a service-connected mental health injury, they know someone that's died by suicide or attempted suicide, uh, or they've considered taking their own life. About 40% of our membership has said that since joining the military, they've thought about taking their own life. Wow. And that is incredibly unfortunate and something that, you know, you hope something can be done. Uh, are we ever going to get the number down to zero? Probably not. Suicide has been around for as long as people have been around. Um, however, the numbers where they are now are just unacceptable. And, and everyone who looks at it seems to take that same approach to it, including IAVA. And we're speaking with their research director, Steph Mullen. One question I want to ask you about is the statistics that we have. The most recent statistics that we have are for the fourth quarter of 2017, right? Correct. So DOD releases uh, quarterly suicide report numbers, and that gives us, at least in the active duty component, a touch point of what's going on at DOD uh, and kind of shows us what's happening in the space in general. What do we know as far as, I know you're a research director, so you like things like this. I hate <laughs> numbers in math unless they're in my wallet. What do we know about the trends? I mean, have we seen kind of an upswing and downswing or has there been steady movement in one direction? Do we have a handle on how things are going in the fight against suicide in the veteran community? So I'll preface this by saying that the annual report normally comes out about May. Uh, and that really does the deep dive of what are the trends? Um, who are these service members that have died by suicide and what can we really do to impact that? Uh, I will say that just looking at the numbers from quarter four and then looking at the total for 2017, it's not great news. I wish I had better news. Um, overall, suicide is up uh, both in the active and reserve component. And then when we look at it, just quarter four active um, duty members who died by suicide, that number is also up. However, in the guard and reserve, it's down as compared to quarter four in 2016. Mm. And of course, you need to compare those quarters, not necessarily against the preceding quarter, but take, for example, quarter four of a year when it comes to things that involve uh, the human condition and, and just humans in general. We're talking about the holiday period, which for suicide is one of uh, the, unfortunately, one of the most uh, likely times that someone is going to take their own life. Someone who's struggling around the holidays, uh, there, there's an increased likelihood that they will do something that will harm themselves. Um, you know, so when we look back over the years, I mean, if we're comparing this year to last year, we can we can see that you know it's it's maybe not looking so good. Uh, that would seem counterintuitive, wouldn't it? I mean, so much has been done by IAVA, the American Legion, the VFW, all of the VSOs, the VA. Everyone knows this is an issue. Everyone's trying to address it. I, I was at some mixed martial arts fights that I was working at a few months ago, and one of the fighters who's not a veteran, not tied to the veterans at all won his fight and then afterwards used his post-fight speech to bring up the issue of veteran suicide. This is something that a lot of people care about, a lot of people are focused on, yet we're seeing uh, some negative trends, it sounds like. Do we have any idea why that is with all this focus that the numbers aren't getting better? Does that mean that there's nothing we can do? To DOD and VA's immense credit, they've been doing a lot in the realm of suicide prevention uh, and mental health. Just recently, uh, DOD released the Be There campaign and has focused on the peer-to-peer -peer counseling. Uh, VA is increasing those private partnerships, going out into the community, doing outreach. The most recent report we have about the Clay Hunt Save Act has shown positive feedback overall uh, and that veterans are satisfied with the care that they're receiving for mental health. Uh, but unfortunately, suicide 
as an issue um, is really complex, and it's not just about mental health. It's also about financial stressors and your ties to the community. Um, just to put this in perspective, our rapid response referral program saw in the first quarter about 40% of all the referrals they made involved emergency financial assistance. And about 7% of those involve veterans that were at severe risk of homelessness. Hmm. And we know that those are also triggers that can influence, uh, unfortunately, the numbers for suicide. There's a, a lot of different factors. As you mentioned, I mean, financial and, and relationship issues are among the leading causes or leading factors in suicide uh, in the community at large. When you have a, a military and veteran community, particularly with those who have uh, you know, seen combat, those who have deployed to places from World War II on and seen some some truly horrifying things, add all of that together and it it sounds like it could be a recipe for disaster. And with some of these numbers, it sounds like it, it is currently a recipe for disaster. When we talk about the numbers that are coming out and the studies that VA and DOD are doing, studies are, are great. They're a great way to identify the issue. What do we know that they're doing to try to address this within the DOD and VA communities? Yeah, so as I said, the Be There campaign uh, on the DOD side and the emphasis on peer-to-peer counseling is a huge push on DOD. Um, I will also say that I know, especially in the Army, they're working to destigmatize the idea of mental health injuries. Mm. And that's a huge factor uh, when we ask our membership what are one of the top reasons they think that troops and veterans aren't getting the care they need. Stigma is the top of the list. Uh, on the VA side, the Office of Suicide Prevention and Mental Health is doing a lot, not only within the realm of the Clay Hunt Save Act, but also outside of it. Um, and to that point, the executive order that came out in January of this year will hopefully mend some of that DOD-VA uh, connections or overlaps and ease transitioning service members as they're coming out of DOD and going into VA. We're speaking with Stephanie Mullen. She is the research director for Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America, a.k.a. IAVA, talking about the issue of veteran suicide. The quarter four statistics for 2017 have come out, and we're talking about some some troubling trends that we're not seeing uh, the type of movement that we'd like to see on this issue However, there have been some advancements, as I understand it, in legislation. There's more money being spent to address this issue. What can you tell us? Uh, give us a little bit more detail about the Clay Hunt Act and all these other things that they're trying to do to uh, to, to kind of get, uh, get, get some footing in this battle. Yeah, so the last spending bill that went through uh, just recently had a good amount of money going to mental health and suicide prevention, uh, specifically within VA. $10 million uh, went to the Clay Hunt pilot programs, which again, focus on that peer-to-peer counseling. Um, 10 million went to the VCL, so the Veterans Crisis Line, which we know is a wonderful resource uh, for veterans that really need someone to talk to immediately. Uh, Again, I'll point to our RIP program that handles these cases um, every single day. And they've had nine cases in quarter one where uh, VCL connections were made. So meaning the RIP team felt that that veteran or service member needed immediate counseling. Mm. Um, And that's about one per week. So we see it within our membership that these programs are hugely important uh, and much needed. When we talk about stigma, that's a word that I heard you use just a few moments ago. And I think uh, everyone gets their own idea of what stigma means when they hear it, particularly in regards to something like mental health care. There are various types of stigma that can be an issue, different worries that people would have. There's, of course, those who think it means that they're not tough, they're not hardcore because they went to go and get some help. There are those who worry about others finding out about it. There are those who worry about uh, the professional effect that it can have on them. Do we have any idea of what sort of stigma, what the worries are of those who are not seeking out this type of help is? 
think career impact is a huge influence on that. Uh, I can speak to our member survey when we ask, what are the top three reasons that you're not seeking care for a mental health injury? So these are people that have self-identified that they have a mental health injury. Uh, The second common response, second reason uh, is concerned that it might affect their career. And then the first is they started treatment but stopped. So I have to say, I think those two are interlinked and affecting your career can come in many forms, right? It might be the timing doesn't work out. You don't want to have to leave early or come in late and having to tell your boss and your coworkers why that might be Um, an effect of like, if you have security clearance, if you have special um, registrations or certifications that you need, that getting this mental health can hurt that. Um, Mental health treatment can hurt that um, certification process, or you might be just afraid that you won't be at the same level that you will, or maybe not get promoted because of these reasons. We hope that in the space uh, we can communicate that most of that is unfounded. Uh, There are protections in place for the most part. Uh, And of course, VA is constantly trying to work to expand things like telemedicine, their hours when they're giving mental health treatment uh, to alleviate some of that concern. But Mm -hmm. especially for the post 9-11 generation, where most of us, most of them are still in the workforce, um, that is a huge concern. You know, it's a bit of a catch-22 when you talk about some of those professional worries. Let's look at a a group of of people that are very much uh, proud of what they do in, in a group that I'm very familiar with, the Marine Corps Infantry. If you tell an infantryman that you may be having these suicidal thoughts, you may be having difficulty, you may be struggling, if you go and get this help, you may no longer be allowed to be an infantryman. You may no longer be allowed to be armed, which it does happen. There are people who they will say, this person does not need a firearm in their possession anymore. They're putting between a rock and a hard place where they know they need some help for themselves. But you know, if they're helping a life that they don't really want to live, if they're not that grunt, they're not that infantryman, what do they do in that situation? Is that one of the issues that we've seen come up with people not, not receiving help and not going for it because they kind of choose one thing over the other? I definitely think it's an issue. Uh, I think it's something that we in the veteran space um, in DOD and VA struggle with uh, because there are instances where someone might have to step back from the role that they're playing currently to get the treatment that they need so that maybe they can come back even stronger. Mm. Um, And that does affect the readiness of the unit, especially if you're deployed. And I don't want to undercut any of those serious implications and how much of a weight that is on a service member um, that's even deployed or currently in-house. What I will say, though, is that mental health is connected to your physical health. It's connected to everything that you do on the job, how you experience your life. And so I would just urge those service members that might be in that position mm-hmm. to get the help that they need. Yeah. I mean, it, listen, if you're not alive, then you're absolutely not an infantryman or anything, whatever your job is. I mean, there are those people who uh, would say that they'd rather die than do that. And some of them, unfortunately, make good on those promises. We are dealing with the issue of veteran suicide as a community in general. And VSOs like IAVA taking a long, hard look at this and trying to figure out what we can do to stem the troubling tide of veteran suicide with, as we've heard the numbers, somewhere around 20 veterans a day, maybe a couple more, maybe a couple less, still way too many taking their lives. And with that same thing, Steph, people who don't seek treatment uh, through mental health professionals often self-medicate through 
drug use through opioids that they get prescribed for, oh, my back hurts. Sometimes that back pain is real. Sometimes it's just a way to get pills. Uh, it goes to drug abuse, alcohol abuse, which is a contributing factor in veteran suicide. I mean, it seems the majority of people I talk to who tell me about a veteran they know, whether it's their brother, their sister, their friend, someone they served with, uh, drugs often are a part of that story as well, particularly the opioids. Have we seen any data linking the two together and telling us how much of an how much of a a facet that is of an, a factor in the issue? Yeah, the realm of suicide prevention and suicide research is super robust, uh, and there's a lot that talks about that issue, um, and especially when it gets to the point of substance use disorder and how that affects um, suicidal ideation, which is like when you think about you know, maybe making an attempt. Uh, I will also say that there are there's research being done on the flip side of about sleep mm. and how sleep can impact suicidal ideation. And the more sleep that you get, the less uh, suicidal ideation you may have, or those two might be intermixed. Um, on the other hand of that, we have exercise and PTSD and how doing exercise may um, help with the symptoms of PTSD. So... Overall, in the research space, uh, there's a lot going on and a lot of really trying to figure out what are those stressors that we can make an impact on. Substance abuse disorder is certainly one of them, Mm. um, but there are other ones as well. There certainly are, and there are things that can kind of build on each other. I mean, if you're not sleeping, I had issues with insomnia when I got out, and uh, it certainly changes your life, and not for the better. Uh, Whether you just have more time to think about things that you'd rather not think about, the stress that it puts on your mind and on your body, uh, it's not a, a fond time for me to recall, really. Thankfully, never any thoughts of suicide or anything like that, but certainly had uh had, had difficulties that, that were exacerbated by not sleeping and then probably drank a little bit too much at the same time. Think, well, maybe that'll help me get to sleep. I, I, I can see from my own personal experience where it didn't go too far down that road, how it easily can for people. And it's an issue that you know, it, it's significant. As we keep saying, somewhere around 20 of our brothers and sisters in arms taking their lives each day. And while we're speaking with IAVA, this isn't limited to Iraq and Afghanistan veterans. This goes back. Vietnam veterans are taking their lives every day. Korea veterans are taking their lives. World War II veterans, there are fewer of them left. Some of them facing hospice care, facing nursing homes and things like that. And they decide they don't want to do that. And they're taking their own lives. I mean, it is a multi-generational, cross-generational issue that's been around for a long time. And it's I think it's finally getting uh, the, the eyes on it that it deserves. I mean, what can you tell us about the historical suicide rates? Is it really that much worse now than it was in the past? I think there's more attention to it, as you say. Um, certainly, we've seen at least a bit of a decline in the most recent numbers. So it went from you know 22 a day to 20 a day. That is still way more than uh, we hope to see. Of course, we strive to get to zero, yeah. um, as many in the space do. Uh, but overall, we've seen suicide on the rise in the American population as well. Um, while it severely impacts the veteran community, it's also a big impact on the um, civilian community as well and just America in general. And it seems, I mean, this is just anecdotal because I've always read a lot of news coverage. I've always been a bit of a news junkie. Uh, I've seen stories in the last you know, decade or so of adolescents, you know, 11-year-olds, 10-year-olds committing suicide, which I never heard about before that. I never heard about it when I was a kid. It's something that certainly is an issue society-wide and is, uh, you know, even that much more exacerbated because of the job that veterans used to do in the military, the experiences and stressors that they have. 
One thing I want to ask you about is there was an executive order made, and I remember hearing about this and the, the the phone lines that the president said he was going to open up. I remember when they did open, and they they opened when he said they were going to be, and there were people there when he said they were going to be there. Some people uh, doubted that that was going to happen, and he showed them uh, on the day that it was supposed to launch. What can you tell us about that transition support for mental health that he talked about as kind of uh, you know an addendum to VA care, putting people in touch with the right people? I, I haven't heard much about it since it first launched. How is that going now, and what kind of uh, what kind of business are they doing? I guess. Yeah. So the final plan from VA, DoD, and Department of Homeland Security went to the White House back in early March. Uh, and since then, we haven't heard much. Hmm. So um, with the landscape being what it is, uh, we're certainly concerned that that will get lost in the shuffle. Uh, but what I will say is that we are very supportive of the idea overall that giving transitional service members some form of easy handoff, connecting VA, VA and DOD, uh, streamlining that process, particularly right. for those transitioning service members, is key to really addressing this issue uh, not only from our membership perspective, we find that 90% said they had some sort of issue when they were transitioning, but also in the data, we see there's a spike um, as as service members are transitioning out within the first few months that they transition. Um, we see a spike in the uh, suicide rate, unfortunately. So having some sort of nice handoff immediately giving service members the resources that they need even before they transition out and then as they transition out so that they at least have access to the mental health care that they need if they so choose it. I think back to when I got out and the VA lost my dental records. Now you can go and get more x-rays taken and all that stuff and it's not the end of the world. Think about it though. What if those have been my mental health records and those were lost and no one thought to reach out to me and I had some issue that they knew about? I mean, uh, there are so many ways that that could go wrong, and that's another aspect of the electronic health care record uh, debacle that we've seen where it's been going on for a while. Like, yeah, we're going to do this. It's going to work. It's going to be great. It's going to be seamless. Anytime I hear anyone at DOD and the VA talk about something seamless between the two of them, I get a, mm, yeah, sure, we'll see. I'll believe that when I see it. Um, is that a true concern that there could be uh, that if we don't do this, if we don't get this thing done, which I've now read that there's concerns that now that uh, the change in leadership of the VA could cause problems and, and throw a, a wrench into the plans regarding the electronic health records. Uh, is it really a big concern? Is it a big issue that there are medical records being lost, people being denied service because of you know um, records not going where they were supposed to, things not transitioning? How big of a problem do we think that is? So I'll speak to it in the sense that giving transitioning service members the information that they need as they're transitioning is a huge issue. Uh, and we see that in the TAP program as they're redoing it, we've been making it mandatory. You know, There have been a lot of changes to that program in the past few years. Uh, on the VA side, there's been a lot of outreach. Um, there's been different programs that have come out specifically in suicide prevention and mental health that try to isolate service members that maybe at higher risk or veterans that are at higher risk and actually proactively reaching out to them uh, and getting them into care. The idea of losing records, uh, I've only heard anecdotally. Yeah. Um, I don't know the number or how big of an issue it is, right. but I would say that in this case uh, in particular, knowledge is power, right? Knowing that you can go to military one source as a service member for up to a year as you transition out, that's a great resource to have and to know that's in the back of your pocket. Knowing that you can get into VA for up to a year as you transition out, no questions asked for mental health services, 
uh, that's a huge asset. Um, maybe you do, maybe you don't use it. But just knowing that those resources are there, having them available, I think will make a big difference. Right. The VA Medical Center, I won't say which one, <laughs> New Haven, they had my medical and dental records. And, and when I moved to Long Island, I got my medical records. My dental records, they asked, like, well, no, we never had those. I was like, well, I don't have them. And I know I brought them into this building. What do you mean you don't? And it was as though they had never existed. I was basically told, like, well, well sorry. So I, I can tell you that things like that do happen. I, I, I It happened to me. And I have... Nothing of my military medical records because, well, they're just gone now, or dental records, I should say, not medical. So certainly a significant issue and uh, hopefully one that we can get straightened out with the electronic health care records. The issue of veteran suicide, that's uh, that's a tougher one. That's one that's going to take continued focus, continued research, continued taking new outside-the-box ways to look at it and try and figure out what needs to be done. And I, for one, am glad that groups like IAVA and Steph Mullen, their research director who we've been talking to, are taking a good, hard look at all of this data and trying to come up with a plan of action after looking at the data. So, Steph, we want to thank you so much for joining us here on The Daily Brief. And if people are interested in finding out more about IAVA, where do they go to do so? Yeah, thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, if you'd like to find out more, iava.org slash big six will take you to our big six priorities. Number one of that being suicide prevention and mental health. If you'd like to join us uh, and we encourage any service members, veterans, those that are supporters uh, to please do, that's iava.org slash join dash us. And uh, follow us along on social media, Facebook and Twitter. Uh, our Twitter handle is at iava and Facebook is Iraq and Afghanistan Veterans of America. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.